welcome to the Out of Limits of Inner Truth Radio Show. Outoflimitsradio.com. I'm your host, Ryan. I don't know about you, but I cannot stand any type of physical pain. I stub my toe. Forget about it. My day, my week is gone. Cannot stand watching Ashton Kutcher or Catherine Hegel on the screen because that is physical torture. I might as well be waterboarded. It's not just physical pain. It is emotional pain. It is any type of pain. This reality is pretty strange, isn't it? We have to go through this pain and suffering, supposedly for evolution. I don't know why, but what it really comes down to is what can we do about it? And our featured guest tonight, who I'm so thankful that we're having, is going to teach us to go through stages of grief to help us you know, process our pain, not the physical pain, mainly the internal pain, whatever we can do to heal. Let us begin tonight's program. Joining us now is Miss Paula Shaw. She's a national radio host. She's a life transition therapist, and she is an author. We can learn more about her by going to her website at paulashaw.com. Ms. Shaw, welcome to our program. Great pleasure to have you with us today. Thank you, Ryan. I'm delighted to be here. Excellent. So let's start with something very positive. You started out, you wrote a book called mm-hmm. When Grief, When Will This Pain Ever End? You are a grief expert. Mm-hmm. People have experienced a tremendous loss what are some key things that they can do in the, right when the pain begins that will ultimately, I don't know, project and hope, you know, kind of foretell how they're going to deal with this for the rest of their lives? Well, you know, I think the biggest tendency people have is to not want to feel what's coming up naturally. And whether that's shock, whether it's um, hysteria, whether it's an extreme sadness, tears, wailing, you know, whatever comes up naturally to allow yourself to feel that and experience it is really one of the most therapeutic things you can do. Too often we try to get it together, as we say, too soon. Or, or you know, we don't allow ourselves the feelings at all. And feelings have a purpose. Feelings have a reason for evolving. And the idea of what we're supposed to do with feelings is feel them, express them, and let them move up and through and out of us. But if we don't express them, if we don't allow that piece, they get pushed down somewhere. And usually that doesn't work out well. You know, first of all, it takes energy to hold the feelings down, and that's energy we need to be living our lives and and doing the things we have to do. And and very often when we keep pushing them away and pushing them down and pushing them down, they can actually turn into physical illness or mental emotional illness. So the first thing I would say is whatever comes up for you, and you know, Ryan, that can be different for everybody. Not everybody bursts into tears. Not everybody expresses their grief with depression or sadness or, you know, feeling out of it for days or weeks or months. Some people have a reaction of fear. Some people have a reaction of of angst about the future. Um, Some people go to anger. You know, how could this happen or why me? Whatever it is, is okay. There's no one right way to express your grief and your pain. I mean, grief actually isn't an emotion. We kind of think of it as, but grief is a genre of emotions, and they can show up in many, many different ways, as I just described. 
Well, I want to give you a visualization for a second. Say, for example, a person okay. experienced a tremendous loss, and the grief could be equated to, let's say, a, a basketball. And in this mm -hmm. basketball is this field of energy, which represents all the grief that the person is experiencing or will have um, the energy associated with this grief. Now, mm -hmm. for that basketball to become diminished, for it to, to become smaller, to become more manageable, a person may express their grief in a number of different ways. They cry. Uh, they, they, they speak out. They have um, anger. They drink. They do whatever they can. What is going to, let's say, accelerate the shrinkage of that basketball size amount of grief and also is there any way that a person could get that let's say basketball size amount of grief under manageable conditions that's a great question and of course that answer is would be unique to each person as for me and the way I like to work with people um, if they're open to it, I use the tools of energy psychology. Now, that doesn't mean you bypass feeling badly. It doesn't mean you bypass the pain, but it does mean that these tools like EFT, meridian tapping, uh, visualization, um, breath techniques, you know, there are many different things we can do to help us to wade through the pain. I don't recommend that anybody tries to go around it, but as you were saying in, in this analogy, if we're trying to get that air out of that ball faster, sometimes tools like tapping meridian points while you're focusing on the pain Wait, and the What are meridian angst. points? What are... Oh, good question. Meridian points are those points that we use in acupuncture. So they're actually specific points they're the same on every person, and they are points at which we can access the flow of energy within the body. So in acupuncture, they stimulate them with needles. In EFT, or meridian tapping techniques, we actually tap those points and cause a reverberation that affects the energy that's flowing through the meridian. And very often, like I'll give you um, a quick example, in a study that was done at Harvard, they were doing an fMRI in real time. So, you know, we know acupuncture actually does something. You know, it actually does cause a shift. and It can cause a shift in pain. It can cause a shift in tension, uh, in all kinds of things, you know. But we, we haven't known exactly how it did that until this study was done and what they saw at Harvard doing an fMRI in real time while this person was focusing on something they were upset about and they were stimulating the points on the side of the eye, right on that bone where your eye is, um, what they saw was the amygdala, that part of the brain that's always scanning our environment, saying, am I safe, am I safe, am I safe? And when the amygdala thinks you're not safe, it prepares you for fight, flight, or freeze. So whether it thinks you're not safe because someone's holding a gun to your head or whether it thinks you're not safe because your partner just said they're walking out on you and they don't love you anymore, the amygdala fires up to prepare you for fight, flight, or freeze. But what they saw was that the stimulation of the acupoints on the side of the eye caused calming signals to go to the amygdala. 
So in a way, we're actually rewiring our brain when we tap on these points. It's a way of saying you can chill even though this reality exists. So if we even just stimulated by tapping or holding those points on the side of the eye as we're feeling our pain, whether it's caused by, you know, what one kind of loss or another, we can calm ourselves so that we can function better while we're experiencing what we're experiencing. And when a person is in grief, mm-hmm. if they, well, what is the difference between healthy grieving and grieving that is just kind of being perpetuated upon the person because they believe in guilt or they're they're giving so much of the power to guilt? I was just wondering how um, self induced guilt associated with grieving makes the process so much harder? Um, That's a really great question. There is no normal grieving. There is no right way to grieve. Everybody will have a different experience. What we look for, I think, when we're worrying that the grieving has become unhealthy would be real prolonged grief inability to function over a length of time, maybe an an acute depression where a person can't function at all. Um, You know, when, when this person in a way becomes a monument to despair rather than someone walking through the grief experience, then we start to get concerned then, you know, other kinds of interventions may be necessary. And this idea of guilt is a, is a really important point, Ryan, because um, there's appropriate guilt, which means we actually did something we shouldn't have done and it didn't result well, and we learn from that, hopefully, and don't do it again. But then there's inappropriate guilt, where we take on responsibility for something that really we had no control over. You know, this can come up a lot when someone has committed suicide. You know, everyone who's left behind can really get into, oh, my God, if only I would have. You know, oh, I should have. You know, there are all these things you ask yourself or you you guilt yourself about that really you really had no idea about or or any control over. But that kind of guilt and, and what we call looping thinking, constantly dwelling on it over and over again, this can become a problematic kind of grieving. And my understanding is that you're also, you you do comprehensive energy psychology. What is energy Mm -hmm. psychology and how does that allow you to, let's say, provide insight and help to people who are just in conventional psychology? Well, traditional psychology is pretty much what we refer to as talk therapy. So talking definitely helps. And especially with grieving people, they need to express what's going on. They need to express what they're feeling. They need to exp- they need to talk about what happened. You know, there is definitely therapeutic value in the talking. But in energy psychology, we take that a step further. We have different modalities that intervene on the energy system, which consists of your biofield, the energy meridians, which we talked about earlier, and the energy centers or chakras. So we find that if we can intervene on the energy system, 
and bypass the conscious mind, then we can bring a person more relief more rapidly. Because the conscious mind is where things like guilt, like you were just discussing, live. And and if we get stuck in the conscious mind, and the conscious mind is the only way we're trying to, excuse me, the only way we're trying to deal with something, we're we're in a, a tough position because the conscious mind is only 5% of our mind functioning. 95% is subconscious. So the beauty of energy psychology techniques is they allow us to access the subconscious mind so that we can do things that are more effective more rapidly rather than just slogging through our thoughts and our beliefs and all that that we know on a conscious level. Well, I was wondering, do you, do you happen to have any energy psychology hacks? And what I mean to say is that, say, for example, a person would like to, I don't know, you know work twice as fast, or they mm-hmm. would like to have access to a ton of information in a very quick fashion. Are there any ways and shortcuts that a person can kind of rewire their brain and have access to information quicker? Well, I would say um, I'm not sure that they could have access more quickly. What we're really looking for through the energy psychology techniques is um, emotional ease and peace that can come more rapidly, Um, a shift in thinking that can come more rapidly. Uh, and, And it's through these techniques like we were discussing, like through meridian tapping, through working with the chakras, or the biofield, um, through using those techniques, we can get the insight, we can get to levels of acceptance more rapidly. And that's really what it's all about, right? Because, you know, like with my, my radio show, Transition Radio, we're always talking about the fact that change is happening whether we like it or not. But we humans have a love-hate relationship with change. I don't like change. You know, I like to be left alone. Yeah. Seriously, my wife See? likes change. She likes to change everything. <laughs> everything needs to be changed. I like stuff to be left alone. Why don't we you know, leave the furniture the way it is? It's fine. It's fine. I will, I will not change anything unless it spontaneously combusts and blows in, in flames. Then I'm like, all right, maybe we should change the furniture because it's on fire. So See, you're like most human beings. We, yeah, it's fine. we are sure dragged, fine. kicking yeah. and screaming know, to change. If it works, leave it alone. It's tough, <laughs> it's tough to get things the way you want them. Now, once it changes, I'm sorry. I, you were probably giving some profound sense of wisdom, and people were, were about to get it, and then all of a sudden, I, I, I go in with my third grade mentality. So, please carry on, Michelle. Well, (laughs) but you just demonstrated for us beautifully, Ryan. What happens to people? People are uncomfortable with the unknown, and that's why they have a problem with change. And yet, without change, we'd get bored to death and we'd never grow. Something has to be shifted or left behind for something new to come along. So for us to grow or thinking to rise to new levels or higher levels, there has to be a shift. There has to be change. And that's what we really create through these energy psychology modalities. We create a shift. Sometimes that shift is actually physiological and as as well as psychological and emotional. In fact, I, I believe it always is because we're energy. We are energy beings. We're electrical beings. And so when we impact that energy, we change everything. 
in fact, it's, it's even coming out in research now. We change our genetics. That's what epigenetics is all about. And that's exciting. I, I that's guess really so. Exciting. If you've got bad genetics, then you're probably polluting, polluting the humanity. Michelle, <laughs> so yes. like you, I mean, like, like, you have you know, a lot of these great insights, great backgrounds. How did you come to your realizations and your truths? What was your life like? Did you uh, ever have any major challenges that kind of forced you to seek out this wisdom that you're currently presenting? Wow, that's a huge question, Ryan. Um, Yes, actually, I think for me, it began at a very young age. Um, Of course, you know, nature versus nurture, right? We, We come to the planet as who we are, that genetic makeup, that energetic makeup, you know, whatever happened in in lifetimes before, if you believe that or whatever, you know, whatever you are, you bring that to the planet and then experiences happen. In my own case, probably some of the most profound experiences that have shaped my life were um, I was sexually abused at, at a very young age and didn't tell anybody. I I thought I was the one who was bad, so I kept this secret through my whole childhood, which, you know, that it, yes, it was an awful thing, and my heart is with, and I work with a lot of women who have been through sexual abuse, um, but on the other hand, the gift in it was I spent a lot of internal time, you know, thinking about me, about myself, about what happened, because... I became afraid to expose to anybody who I really was because I was afraid I was bad. And so I think that led me to I became um, a meditator at a young age, and I, to this day, do not face a day without meditating first in, in the morning. And I think my meditation work opened me up to many other things. I'm a Reiki master, so I've, I've learned how to work with energy through my hands. I um, have done a ton of reading. You know, at a, at a really young age, I got very interested in the teachings of a lot of the spiritual teachers out there, Yogananda and other people who, I'll just you some know. Of the other, uh, some of the other teachers, some of the other teachers that really kind of captivated you. Oh, I think the work of Wayne Dyer, you know, when I was fairly young, really was important to me. Um, there were there was a, a yoga a, a guru that I was exposed to at a young age, who I don't believe is even on the planet anymore. And you know, I was I was only 18, and I really knew nothing about it all. But a dear friend and teacher of mine um, invited me to go to some gatherings with her guru and they just called him guruji and i realize now that was just, you know guruji is is like the affectionate term for a guru and so i'm i'm not even sure what his name was but the funny thing is the first time that we meditated with him he walked over and he bapped me on the top of the head he just popped me with his hand and my first thought was oh, my God, this guru is mean. He's a terrible person. He just came up and hit me for no reason. Well, I didn't realize it, but when a guru hits you on the top of your head, they're opening up the shakti. They're they're opening up your energy. And that happened to me at a pretty young age. And I realize now that that helped me to 
come or to open up to the insights and the wisdom of other teachers out there and, and what was going on. Opened my path up, you know, to an expanded level. So uh, just to pause you right there, when he's hit you on the head, you open up your thing, Is that was that necessarily affecting your crown chakra? Is that something yes. where... And that's exactly what it does, we, yes. We've had two great people talk to the regular basis on our show, uh, Jeff Casper and Yona Brindis. And one of the things mm-hmm. we discuss on a regular basis is, you know, some people, they keep their chakras too open, and that's why they pull in too much. They've got to close it down. As far as your crown chakra goes, is that something that you'll do? Are you constantly keeping it open? Do you close it? I mean, how do you, what do you formally, what do you do to, you know, keep the information flowing with the same time not absorbing too much information that's overwhelming? Um, you know, that's an interesting question. And, and my first book was about the chakras, actually. It's called Chakras, the Magnificent Seven. And I believe that I energize my chakras every day. And there's a simple way that people can do that. And and I just put my hands over each chakra and visualize white light flowing into that chakra. And I use white light because Donna Eden, who who's written many wonderful books on energy medicine, Donna Eden taught me long ago that even though we think of different colors associated with each chakra, you never know on a given day what a chakra needs. Like, for example, if perchance your crown feels like it's bringing in too much information, there's an overload, or sometimes when you're with a lot of people and they're all high-energy people even, you know, you can almost feel a buzzing in the top of your head. In that case, you might want to put blue light or deep green light in there to sort of calm and soothe. But you don't know for sure what each chakra needs. So if you flow white light in, then the chakra will pull whatever it needs because white light contains all the colors in the spectrum. So I think I I don't actively open or close my chakras. I, I strengthen my field every day in my meditation, and I flow white light into those chakras to keep them energized and strong. And and I feel like they just balance themselves really well. But we need to do something because your chakras are, are energy, right? They're energy centers, and energy is mutable, and energy is affected by everything going on. So if you don't do anything for them every day, they can become depleted. They can become sluggish. Um, one of the things I do with clients I work with is balance their energy, um, almost like, a, you know, when your battery's weak, you need to charge it with a stronger battery. It's kind of like that, this work that I do, where I just bring in energy from stronger sources to help strengthen the energy of my clients. So they, where, the, where the energy source is coming from? Are they um, other beings on the, on the astral plane that you're playing into, or is it, um, very, is it coming from source itself? I'm plug- yes, I'm plugging into source. I'm plugging into divine sources. Um, there may be beings on the planet <clears throat> that would be great to plug into, but I do not do that. I, I just bring the energy from the from the heavens, from the higher energies, through me and then to the client. And, and that's it, pretty much what you do in Reiki. That's what the training in Reiki. You know, you're bringing it from higher sources. Michelle, I have a confession to make. And, you know, to the average person who's going to make a confession like this, they probably would be completely mortified. But since I have absolutely no shame whatsoever, I'm going to flat out say <laughs> uh, in my bathroom, I have 
40 different Bed Bath & Beyond body washes. And in the shower, I actually have Christmas lights in the shower. And the reason why yeah. <laughs> I do because I, 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 like I, like I like to take Christmas in the shower with me. And I also have these other ones. Like one. well, when I put these lights on, sometimes I can actually I, – I take I sometimes I shower in different lights. And I don't understand why I'm doing it. I just think it's kind of cool because I like to make a variety of things. But if you are – if you actually are taking a shower or you're in a room and you're putting – Red light, blue light, yellow light on you, and mm-hmm. what is it comparable? I mean, if, even though it's actually there, is it almost carry the same thing as far as focusing the light? Because if you're if you're visualizing these types of lights on you, and you're saying, okay, I'm healing myself, I'm pulling this light mm-hmm. into you, mm-hmm. and if you can't visualize it, but you actually have physically have the lights on you, are you doing uh-huh. the same exact thing as far as the healing? Probably, process? probably so. Because remember, what gives light its color is its energy frequency. And so you're act- what you're actually doing is exposing your energy to the frequency of those colors. And I really believe that one part of medicine in the future is going to be just that. You will walk into a little chamber and they will expose you to a certain color of light and that will cause a shift that you need to get your body back on track so it can do what it's designed to do to heal itself. And so when we expose ourselves to water, I mean, I get my best ideas in the shower, don't you? You know, yeah. because water oh, is a conductor. Oh, especially when I put the Christmas ice in. I put the Christmas yeah. ice in. Oh, yeah. Yes. Water is a conductor of electricity. So, yes, I think you often bring in those inspired ideas from the heavens when you're in the shower or when you're near water. And so you're just amping it up with adding color, too. I think it's a brilliant idea, Ryan. You should patent it. Well, thank you. I, I guess I will. But then it's – we'll see what happens. I, you know, when I first met my wife this, – this is a true story. first time she came to my house, she opened the refrigerator, and there was a can of, I don't know, SpaghettiOs open, uh-huh. and there was <laughs> – Ten bottles of water with speakers in there, and she goes, "What are you doing?" I'm like, "I'm metaphysically charging the water to make," sh- and I'm putting like the water because I'm putting the sounds that say love and peace. And she, and she's like, "What are you?" Beautiful. Nuts? And would you believe that? Like literally two weeks ago, I met a gentleman who's got this company that metaphysically charges the water, and it's a big success, and they're going to expand in the U.S. And I was telling him, "You see this? I wasn't that crazy after all." So she's like, "All right." Uh. You were just ahead of your time. I thought I was. I was like, you know what you should drink. Right? And here's the other thing. She drank some of that water and fell in love with you. So little did she know she was being programmed all actually, along. Actually, she didn't. She thought I was going to Bill Cosby here back in the day. She's like, I'm not going anywhere near anything in your house. We're going. <laughs> <laughs> no. No, I'm not going anywhere near anything. And, um, you know I, um, but, Love prevailed. Well, if you think about a couple words, words that have the strongest energy frequency, that have been words that have been able to take you from a place of pain to a place of peace. What would you say some of those most powerful words are, and what words would you would you incorporate these words into a person's daily life? Well, I I think maybe the three words I just said: acceptance. Okay. Love and gratitude. You know, um, I don't know if you remember Masaru Emoto's work where we saw the messages from water, yes. the beautiful crystals that were right created on. from the vibration of the words. And the most beautiful, strongest crystals were created by the two words love and gratitude. 
But I like to include acceptance because too often we can't move to love and gratitude until we have reached that level of acceptance. And I think it's really true, especially with people who have suffered loss and grief. They have to move through the journey and get to acceptance before they can go to gratitude and to love and and then move into a higher level of functioning and, and healing. And in the course of your life, have you ever had a long-held belief that you had to disavow because you were much more accepting of the information that was coming into you, that this long-held belief that you put a lot of energy focus into was no longer valid in your life? Has it ever happened to you? Wow. Wow, wow, wow. That is a huge question, Ryan. I think, you know, I was brought up traditionally. I was brought up in in the Christian faith. And so there are a lot of beliefs that are involved with any religious, you know, any religion that are usually considered absolutes. And I think that probably the biggest process for me was to realize that there is no absolute right or wrong. It's like there is no absolute right way to grieve. There is no absolute right way to live your life. You know, we're all these beautiful, unique beings that were brought to the planet for different reasons, you know, different lessons, different kinds of growth. And so I guess I come back to that word acceptance. You know, one of the things I've had to realize in my lifetime is that I need to let go of my judgment of how it should be and just realize that we're all doing the best we can with what we have and who we are. We're all here for different reasons. And and there is no one way to God. There is no one way to a perfect life or to becoming a, a spiritual being. There are many beautiful paths, and that's what makes life interesting, isn't it, that there are lots of different ways to find our highest selves and our, our highest levels of living. I guess, yeah, I think it's pretty interesting. And do you know, do you feel certain that you are on the right path, that you know your purpose in life is, that you're fulfilling it? Like, is there a part of your mind that says, you know what, I know I'm doing a lot of great things for people, but maybe I really did come here to become the um, the CEO of a, of a biker gang or something like that. <laughs> or, you know, or I, was supposed to, I was supposed to be an assassin and I'm totally not fulfilling my destiny. <laughs> oh, this is, I'm kind of procrastinating by helping people, but I really should be an assassin. <laughs> I'm just curious. There is a part of me that sometimes thinks I was meant to be a winemaker in France. <laughs> in, a, in a beautiful place, you know, where I can just sit on that hill and sip beautiful wine. <laughs> well, that's what I'm feeling. It's, you're helping people heal. <laughs> <laughs> but that's true. <laughs> but I, I have to say, Ryan, I do wake up every day in a state of gratitude for my life and the work I get to do and the people I get to impact. I do feel like I'm I'm on my path. I'm doing what I came here to do. And you know, and it wasn't easy to get here. In fact, I it's it was maybe a maybe a story for another show, but I came to this work really sort of kicking and screaming. Really? Um you didn't want to do this? It's just I Well, no, it wasn't that I didn't want to. I thought I came here to do other things. I was a location manager in the movie business. I, at one point, wanted to be an actor. I, I had other dreams, but 
I well, I I met a man who in the movie business. I was working there, and and I ended up marrying him. And he had a problem with alcohol, and he finally decided to get sober. And it was in participating in that recovery program with him, going to those meetings at the he was in an outpatient program for a year. In going to those meetings, I discovered this beautiful thing that people actually sit down and tell the truth about their pain and their dysfunction and they heal together. And I thought, Well, this is the greatest thing ever And one day somebody said to me, Have you ever thought about becoming a therapist because when you explain things in our group, I get it better than when the therapist does. And I thought, no, that had never crossed my mind. I said, why would I do that? She said, well, for one thing, it would help you understand your husband better. And I said, sign me up. And that was it. You know, really, it was because of Gary Shaw that I went back to school and got into the work that I'm now in. And it was a difficult path getting there. You know, it was certainly nothing I ever planned. In fact, my psychology book was an instant sleeping pill when I was in college. I could not <laughs> get through a chapter and stay awake. So who would ever guessed that this would end up where I where I would find my fulfillment and my joy? But I really do. That's wonderful. And um, you know, I think it's really awesome that you know you see you do have doubts and you, you were you weren't sure where your path was, but it seems like you're on a really comfortable place. And you know, just to let people know, I I don't know what I'm doing on Earth right now. I think I have a knack for driving <laughs> people crazy with ease. So I, I kind of think that I am the the hand of karma that will drive people to <laughs> test their patience. At least that's what most people around me say. But if you're out there trying to find your you know your your purpose, I don't know. Just I, I don't know. Is it okay to say this, Paul? Not to worry about it. You know, go about your life, have have fun, be peaceful. If you find your purpose, great. If you don't. I guess because you're an eternal spirit, you can come back, do it next time. Is there, is there, is there yeah. like a, is these people have a pressure to find the purpose? Like, I need to find my purpose. I think there is a lot of that kind of consciousness right now. But you know what? I think whatever you're doing, that's your purpose. That's your path, at least at this point in time. And I think too often we're guilting ourselves or we're worrying because we don't think we're, we're you know, we have found our purpose. Everything everybody is doing is contributing to the energy of this planet. And if you approach your life with integrity and, and you're as loving and kind as you can be, well, that's that's doing a lot. That's a pretty wonderful purpose. And I think that's what most people are doing. Maybe their work is not something that everybody knows about. Maybe they you know they feel like only the people who are on the front cover of Time Magazine have found their purpose, but that isn't true. Some of the quietest, most humble beings on this planet are really in touch with their purpose, and they're making a huge mark in the lives of everybody they touch every day. Miss Paula Shaw, I want to thank you so much for being mm-hmm. with us today. Oh, it's so Paula, much fun, Ryan. Yeah, thank you. Again, Paula is an incredible author, a national radio host, and a life transition therapist. She's also a grief expert. We can learn more about Ms. Shaw by going to your website at paulashaw.com. Ms. Shaw, great pleasure to have you with us today. Thank you so much for being with us. Thank you so much, Ryan. Take good care. I hope to come back again. This was great fun. Thank you. Okay, everyone, that concludes today's edition of the Out of Limits of Inner Truth Radio Show. Special thanks to our amazing guest, Ms. Paula Shaw, and special thanks as always to our virtues. 
Miss Carrie O'Connor, Miss Lisa Casa, and Miss Constance Dallas. To learn more about the Outer Limits of the Truth Radio Show, please go to our website at OuterLimitsRadio.com. Till next time we meet, my friends, wishing upon you an abundance of peace, love, and beers. Thank you, Karen. Thank you so much for listening. It's the most wonderful time of the year. Let me tell you something. I don't agree with that for one second. It's not the most wonderful time of the year. It's cold outside. It's freezing. This summer, you can get a tan. You can go to the pool. You can walk outside without a jacket. So where am I going with this? Oh, right. This holiday season, after you trample over your fellow neighbors after Thanksgiving to go for all those Black Friday sales, forget all that. Don't even engage in that. Why not get someone the gift of a lifetime by getting them a reading with one of the Out of Limits of Tooth Radio Show Incredible Virtues, psychic medium Miss Carrie O'Connor. You can learn more about her by going to her website at carrieoconnor.com. Carrie has seen auras, talks to people, animals. She can facilitate communication. She's an incredible psychic medium. And then we've got the astrophenom, Miss Constance Tellis. Learn more about her by going to her website at constancetellis.com. Miss Dallas can do your chart. Find out what's in store for you in 2018. Find out if the person you're with is astrologically compatible. And then, how can we forget our beloved virtue, Miss Lisa Casa, psychic empath. Lisa will give it to you straightforward. She can pick up on things right around you, tell you about where you're going, really get a good gauge on where your life is headed, and answer some profound, incredible questions. And of course, we can learn about Miss Lisa Casa by going to her website at lisacaza.com. This holiday season, don't kill yourself by trampling over a fellow neighbor to get a toaster or a special deal when all the good deals are online. Anyway, get a person a gift of insight into themselves. I highly recommend getting a great reading with one of the Out of Limits of Inner Truth Radio Show Virtues. Thank you so much for listening and have an unbelievable holiday season. Want to be heard or seen in front of millions of people? Want to be an expert on TV or radio? Goldman McCormick PR is a New York City-based public relations agency that specializes in traditional and social media placement for law, finance, media, and corporate-based clients. Goldman McCormick PR also are specialists in website development, radio show creation, press conferences, media training, and so much more. Check out GoldmanMcCormick.com for more information. GoldmanMcCormick.com. 